I'm the Nevada running back James Butler, and you're listening to Pack Center. Another big week for Nevada. Thanks for tuning in to Pack Center. I'm your host, Jordan Burns, here with sports whiz Garrett Hirschberg. Basketball is having one busy offseason. Nevada assistant coach Dave Rice will be parting ways and headed to the University of Washington after just one season here at Nevada. He was not the best fit for Nevada, if you ask me. I mean, he's a good assistant coach, and he balanced out Musselman well, but he's a rebel through and through. He spent so much of his life and his career in Vegas and in the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He played there. He won a national championship. Uh, he played there from 89 to 91. He was a graduate assistant, 91 to 92, and full-time assistant, 94 to 04. And it was a head coach from 2011 to 2016. Garrett, I think this is a good move for him professionally. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he's moving from Nevada, which is not not in a big conference. We know the Mountain West. The, but he's moving now to the Pac-12 in Washington. And what we've seen is Washington. They've had some recent talent of late. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Markel Fultz. Marquise Chris. So Washington can go out and get these big players. And we've seen Coach Rice coach some of these big players, whether it was Cam Oliver for this year, Marcus Marshall, but at UNLV, Anthony Bennett, Patrick McCaw. He spent all this time at UNLV. His roots are red, but he came to a a blue school. So I think that he his intention wasn't to spend a lot of time at Nevada, maybe a year, and then tra- try to find a new job. But uh, coming to Nevada, I think the players deeply respected him because of all he's done, not only as an assistant but as a head coach. And he's sure to help uh, bolster that Washington Washington coaching staff. Yeah, he's a great coach, but having his, his mentality be against the University of Nevada for so long because he's, as you said, he has his roots are red. And then transplanting those roots over into this blue soil. It, it wasn't a great fit. I don't think he would he would ever feel as comfortable here as he did somewhere else. UNLV's red, Nevada's blue, Washington is purple. It's a match made in heaven. <laughs> but yeah, um this it was I, at first when I heard the hiring, I was I was a little bit questionable because of that time at Nevada because you grow it is a rivalry between it is the state rivalry between Nevada and UNLV. So did I think he was going to betray Nevada? No. But I think that there were still some ties still at UNLV for Coach Rice. I agree. But Dave Rice isn't the only coach to be leaving Nevada. Uh, Yanni Huffnagel, who we picked up in the offseason last year, he was that controversial hire. We had the 34-year-old from Cal who played. He coached there for two years and was fired after sexually harassing a reporter or claims of sexually harassing a reporter. But now that both these guys are are gone, we have two full-time assisting p- uh, positions open, and that's what we're going to be seeing going on this uh, off-season is a revitalization of this staff, and Musselman's going to have to make those tough choices. Musk knows how to hire great assistants. We've seen that in his two years here. Granted that these assistants don't stay because they do such a great job that they go on to bigger and better things. That's one thing. But Musk knows, like, Musk knows, pretty much knows who he wants. 
and who the who, who these people are, we don't know. But I'm sure Muscle's going to do a great job in hiring these guys' replacements. He's got a basketball mind. He knows what fits his scheme and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. This offseason puts a lot of control of next season into Muscle's hands. He's got two positions open in his in his uh, coaching staff for him to fill up. Uh, Cam Oliver's still kind of up in the air of whether he's going to get drafted or not, if he's going to come back. Uh, I think the big, the big thing that people talk about Cam is the fact that he has not hired an agent yet, which does leave his chances of coming back to Reno still up there. As much as I think that Cam's a great player and all, I think that he will come back. My My heart and my mind is saying – He's coming back to Nevada, and he's going to be one of the top players in the NCAA next year. He's got a kid. Who knows if I wouldn't say they need the money to support the kid. Uh huh. I think that might be what's motivating him to go into the draft early is to to get that money. He's to has help, that. He's to having help provide that pro- a future for his kid and only his girlfriend. He's having that paternal instinct to go out and make money. He's not making any money. He's spending all his time at school and in the gym. When he's here in Nevada, he's getting a full ride, but he needs to be he needs that extra cash to be able to support his family. But if he is if he's able to stay one more year uh, at Nevada, his his earning potential rises through the roof. Yeah, his draft stock will definitely go up. Um, yeah, Cam Oliver has well, we, we've seen mass improvement from his freshman year to now his sophomore year, and if he and if he were to come back, I'd love to see what part of his game he works on now. We saw last offseason he worked on his three ball. It was huge for Nevada this year. I would like to see him work on his work on his half-court offense and his five-on-five uh, post-up offense. And back to, to giving all the control to Muss, like – and we're talking about how he's recruiting coaches. Now he's recruiting players as well. We're talking about Cam Oliver leaving. If Cam Oliver does leave, we're going to need a, a, a new big man to, to fill in that spot. One of our people that we're, trying to attempt, we're attempting to recruit is a high school senior, Malik uh, Undigo. He's a six foot ten center. Schools that he's also considering that we're having to compete with is Purdue, Colorado, Texas Tech, and Boston College. These are all big powerhouse schools. Um... You look at um, Purdue obviously made the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're actually good in the Big Ten. And it's it's nice to see Nevada try to compete with these other schools recruiting-wise. Because in the past, we haven't really seen Nevada. We've never seen Nevada go out and get these five-star recruits, no matter the sport. Uh, and so I think this would be an interesting if he does come to Nevada, I think he'd fit well because Musk pretty much will only go after people that fits his system. Musk's system is is that up and down pace of basketball, so I think Malik Ondigo uh, would be a good fit. What do you think are some of the selling points that Coach Musk has to to give Ondigo so that he comes here over schools like Texas Tech and Boston College and Purdue, who are obviously some of the bigger names? Well, I think with Musk, it's definitely. A name name thing because not only did he coach in the NBA, his dad coached in the NBA. He has a lot of credibility around the basketball world, so I think that's one thing. Um, another selling point uh, just could be the Reno area and also um, the system style of play because Mus has kept his same style of play uh, for the past two years while here, and so that might be a selling point 
for uh, possible recruits. And also, I, I think uh, a good amount of playing time. Uh, at six foot ten, he's definitely what we need at Nevada, and I think that might be one of the biggest selling points that he might get some some decent playing time as a freshman. But what we saw this year, uh, only one freshman really got playing time. It was Josh Hall. Deverell Ramsey never really got a lot of playing time. Sure, he can develop this offseason, but it was still Hall that got most of the playing time for the freshman class. But the way, that, especially if Ken Oliver's gone. The way that our team is set up is that we're going to need someone like him in on the starting lineup. Yeah, you're definitely going to need a center, and that's one thing that Nevada Nevada really did not have size. Uh, Cam Oliver was the tallest player at six foot nine, and we truly saw like if you looked at the national championship game against Gonzaga against North Carolina, you saw what size can do in rebounding and whatnot. So I think that that's something that can also help Nevada's rebounding game. It was already strong because of the athleticism of the guys, but now I think if they get a bona fide center, it could bolster the rebounding game and help Nevada secure more like game game crucial game rebounds. Yeah, especially because we had um, a player giving his letter of intent in September, or actually he signed it officially in November, but he verbally agreed to come to Nevada in September of two, of 2016, and that's John Trez Davis. Uh, he's a six foot nine power forward. We tried to recruit, he was really heavily recruited out of high school, but grades kept him from going to the, to the Division I school, so he went off to a junior college, Palm Beach College. He averaged 11.4 points and 6.3 rebounds. He, we were really excited to get this guy on in Lawler, but recently we mutually departed with him and he's not going to be signing here at Nevada. So that's why we're really going to have to put a lot of effort into getting uh, on Digos because we're, we lost our six foot, are we, are we lost our, uh, our upper six foot player? Yeah. Um, just looking at the size of him and what he's done, he, the game reminds me of Cam. He can score, grab rebounds, same height. Yeah, he's doubt, he would be like he'd be Cam's replacement. He'd be uh, Cam with a different name. But you're talking about some of the achievements that he has. He was named uh, preseason junior college All American by Sporting uh, News. But because he he's not coming to Nevada anymore, it opens up another scholarship position for for Must to use. Now he has two. He has he can give that to a transfer student. He can give that to a high school student, and that gives a lot. Again, he's got he has so much power going into this offseason to mold the team how he wants. Yeah, and I think as um, as the tournament ended yesterday uh, on Monday, uh, you'll start seeing a lot of players announce their transfers. Um, one thing that's nice is with graduate transfers, they're allowed to play immediately. So I think that that's what Musk is gonna find this offseason. A lot of grad graduate transfers who can come in to Reno, not have to sit out a year, and make a big impact on this Wolfpack team. I love this time of the season. I, as much as I love time when we're playing, March Madness, things like that, I love the offseason. I love seeing how things change and how the league can change from one year to the next. And that's what we're going to see with all these transfers and things like that. Uh, another big thing that, we want, that I want to talk about is Marcus Marshall. 
he just got invited to the Portsmouth uh, Invitational. This is a showcase invitational for players that have completed their senior collegiate season. Marshall is one of 64 players who will be competing in this 12-game, four-day event. This showcase will be done in front of representatives from the from all kinds from different NBA teams, international scouts, and other pro leagues. This is really going to be the stepping stone for Marshall in his professional career. Uh, I don't think that he's NBA material. Uh, is, he is predicted to possibly be able to go second round uh, in the NBA draft, but in my opinion, I don't think that's very likely. I think that the international route or um, a D-League route is where he should be going. See, I, I disagree with you. I think that Marshall's talent could be used by an NBA team. We, we all know what Marshall, we've seen the highlights. He can shoot the three ball. But what but what we've seen is he can shoot. He doesn't need to be wide open to shoot. He's made some of the most difficult shots I've seen. He gets fouled a lot from three. He's He can go to the line, make free throws. He can run, hit floaters. So I think his offensive game is could be used by an NBA team. Sure, he's sure he might have to develop some of his other stuff, but he's but Marcus is also a good passer. He ran point for Nevada last year. He's not big though. He doesn't have that that professional NBA body and mentality. He doesn't he on the court he doesn't shine like you, you'd see an NBA player. Like Cam Oliver gets on the court and you think and you think NBA. You think LeBron James type. But when I look at Marcus Marshall, I don't I don't see him at the NBA level. I definitely see him if he think, look at it this way. If he goes into the NBA, he's at the bottom of the barrel. If he goes overseas internationally, he could be a star. You've seen like especially with the recent NBA, the way the NBA has been going, his skill set would be used heavily. Like you look at the Houston Rockets, they shoot the ball a lot. Golden State shoots the ball a lot. So I think as the NBA is transitioning into this three-point heavy offense, I think Marshall could be utilized on the bench and maybe even start for some team down the line. But but think about it. You say utilized on the bench. Is that really what he wants? I I don't know what he wants. Um, Is that what you'd want? If I was Marcus, um, I would like – I, I think so, to start my career off on the bench because, one, like it's every kid's dream to play in the NBA, not the D-League, not international, not in some league in Shanghai, China. So I think that you just got to take take what you get and like playing in the NBA, suiting up in a roster, whether you're playing a lot or not. If you play for a winning team and you don't play a lot, your team wins the championship, you still get a ring. You're still on that championship roster. So I think that there is much more upside to being on, on the low end of the totem pole in, on the NBA rather than playing in the D-League. Playing in, if you're in the low end on a good team, you got to practice with some of the best players in the world. you got to show, if you can, show them up. Show them why you think they're better, why you're better than them. Show them why you deserve playing time. And so I think that's something that Marshall can do. You know what? I'm thinking I'm starting to agree with you. Averaging 19.7 points a game, 3.7 assists, it's all going to come down to his performance in this invitational and in front of the scouts. 
if he comes out and he dominates the court alongside other players in his position from all over the league, not just the Mountain West, he might it might give him that that star power and that chance to push into that second round of the NBA draft that we think that he has the ability to do. Yeah, this event has had, uh, so far this year, they've had players announce like J.J. Frazier of Georgia, Derek Willis of Kentucky, Deontay Burden of Iowa State, who Marcus saw, who went one-on-one with Marcus in the NCAA tournament. So it's not like the talent is bad. It's pretty good talent, especially because these all are all D1 athletes. And so I think that this is going to be huge for Marcus to show up, uh, show why he should be drafted by some team. This is an NCAA senior all-star game or tournament pretty much. And it's going to be, it's going to really see how is Marcus Marshall going to stack up against the rest of the NCAA when we've seen what he's, what he's done against the Mountain West, but you put him against the best of the senior classes throughout the league, how does he match up? And that's really going to determine the rest of his career. Yeah, you, you've also seen in the past, like, uh, big-time players like Tywa Johnson, uh, Kent Bazemore, uh, Jermichael Green, all partake in this event. And these are all players who started low on the toting pole and then have worked their way into the starting lineups of NBA teams. Yeah, he could be like a Tom Brady, you know, going in – uh, the bottom of the barrel and becoming a star. We don't. We don't know. It's only time can tell. But I want to move on to women's basketball. Uh, last week we talked about how Jane Albright she retired and they still hadn't picked a head coach, but now they have. They picked. They uh, hired Amanda Levines as their new head coach. She spent the last five seasons as an associate head coach at the Arizona at Arizona State, with over 100 wins at ASU. Yeah, she um. Levin spent two years at Nevada as a graduate assistant under uh, Kim Gervasani, and I think that this is a big, big hire for Nevada, stealing her from a big-time program like Arizona State that makes two basketball coaches stolen from Arizona State, her and Musk. But um, I think she can also help in recruiting as long as with that basketball mind. People might want to play for her because she knew how to recruit uh, down at ASU, and ASU is a pretty good team. They made the tournament this year. Uh, but Levens is a player. She spent her first two seasons at Old Dominion, then transferred to Arizona State. Uh, she earned two Pac-12. Two. She was a two-time All-Pac-12 uh, First Team Award recipient. She was an All-American Honorable Mention selection in 2002, and she was selected, uh, introduced, inducted into the Arizona State Hall of Fame in 2012. Yeah, great pick for Nevada, and I like how you said that she's going to bring a lot of um, recruiting power because looking at her resume as um, as a player, I think that's going to speak volumes to a lot of young women's basketball players who want to come to Nevada. It's like, hey, I've been there before. I know I know how to do this. I think Nevada has to start recruiting locally. Um, Gabby you, Williams. Gabby Williams. I, I want to know what her plan is for UConn because we talked about that last week. Is neither of us wanted to take that head coaching job because I don't want to. I wouldn't want to want to be in charge of uh, playing against UConn. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now Amanda Levins has that responsibility of going up against possibly number one UConn. And I can't wait to to get to dive into that next year and see how that goes. Let's move on again to track. Uh, they got done with their first full month. Uh, and after that, we have two nationally ranked athletes, Nicole Wadden 
ranked number four. And Corey Gallup, she's sixth in the nation. Wadden, with her performance at the Texas Relays, that was on the 29th and 30th of March. She put up a personal record in the heptathlon with a score of 5,697. For those who aren't super familiar with track, uh, a heptathlon is seven events put into one. It's a 200-meter and 800-meter, 100-meter hurdle, uh, shot put, javelin, uh, high jumps, and long jumps. This is like the end-all, beat-all of of track, I guess. I don't know really how the scoring works, but 6,000 points seems, almost 6,000 points seems like a lot. I mean, it's a, it was enough to rank her fourth in the nation. Uh, Fair but, enough. <laughs> Cora Gallup. She placed first uh, in her first 3,000-meter uh, meter steeplechase with a time of 10 minutes, 14 seconds, and 73 milliseconds. Um, last year, Gallup was a triple jump, only did the triple jump, and, and started running uh, distance in the 2016 cross-country season. Yeah, and the steeplechase, um, the 3,000-meter steeplechase is an obstacle race over the distance of 3,000 meters, obviously, uh, consisting of 28 barriers and seven water jumps, one hurdle every 100 meters, and the fourth one being done into water. Both these girls are in a really good uh, opportunity to get into the uh, NCAA uh, playoffs and the finals. So the top 24 multi-athletes, this is for uh, Wadden, in the, uh, in the nation automatically qualify for the NCAA finals. Uh, Juan has placed herself in a good position for this in the first, with only a month and a half left until conference championships. Uh, she was also named Mountain West Athlete of the Week, so congratulations to her. Uh, and then for, um, for Gallup, the top 48 runners from the West will compete in the NCAA West preliminaries, with the top 12 from there advancing to the finals. And the next event... Uh, for Nevada is set for April 13th and to the 15th in Southern California at the Mount Sac Relays and Azusa Pacific Meet. Now on to baseball. They had a rough weekend. Another uh, another one. They went one and three this past weekend against Hawaii. Game one, they lost uh, 12 to five. The Pack jumped out to a four nothing lead, but couldn't hold on as the Rainbow Warriors scored six in the bottom of the fourth. Game two, uh, they lost three to two. Mark. Uh, Nowazeski, Nowazeski, th- uh, through career high 7.2 innings, striking out four. Game three, they actually won nine to two. Riley Ole tossed six shutout innings, striking out four. And in the final game of the series, uh, the Pack lost three to two, where Grant Ford pitched six innings in relief, giving up a couple of runs and striking out three. Baseball has not been on a good run this season. They they always come up short in these series where it, it looks hopeful but then ends up not being. Like we see them losing a lot of close game like one run, one or two run games. Like you just look at this series, they lost two games by the sc- by the score of 3 to 2. So I think that Nevada has to find a way to close out and win these said games because even if you look at the first game of the series, they were up 4 nothing. And then gave up six in the bottom of the fourth. It's not good. It's not good at all. At least we can look forward to the Nevada Classic. The Nevada Classic is uh, an annual exhibition game between 
uh, Nevada Baseball and the Reno Aces, which is the Reno's baseball team. The AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is a preseason game for the Aces, and this is the eighth year in a row that they've done this. It's really it's a good way for the Aces to start against some really uh, good talent, and then it's a really good way for Nevada Baseball to, to make some money. All the proceeds benefit the Nevada Dugout Club, which is the primary supporter of Nevada Baseball. Over the years, they've raised $85,000 for the University of Nevada Dugout Club. It's just a really, really cool event for Reno. Head coach TJ Bruce said that we're thankful for this opportunity as our players have a chance to learn from the Aces and play at a professional ballpark as our student-athletes pursue their dreams of professional baseball. In other baseball news, uh, former baseball alum Brock Stacy Stacy made the open, uh, opening day roster for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, in 2010, he was named uh, first team All WAC. That's in that 2010 season, he hit three uh, at a batting average of 360, driving in 34 runs while hitting 19 doubles. Brock then was selected in the third, selected in the 33rd round of the 2011 MLB Amateur Draft. It's it's a great feeling to see these kids work and work their way into these professional dreams, like. As, as soon as Stasi found out that he uh, was going to be on the opening day roster, he broke out in tears. I love to see Nevada players make it to the next level. I loved watching Don Jackson play for the Green Bay Packers in that one game, and I'm glad to see that that Stacy's able to to be on a roster. And it's really good. It's going to be good to see what the future holds for him. But that's the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to Pack Center. Again, I'm your host, Jordan Burns, here with my co-host, Garrett Hirschberg. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at PackCenterNV. And a special thanks to the Reynolds School of Journalism, the Joe Crowley Student Union, Wolfpack Radio, and the Reno Bike Club for helping us to produce our show. And one more thing before we go, go Wolfpack! Just forget the wins, it's the